0: Welcome to Global One Media Stocks to Watch. I'm Michael Suido. I'm speaking today with Mark Jarvis. He's the chairman and CEO of Giga Metals. They're a company that focuses on nickel exploration and development, and more specifically, nickel to help power electric vehicles. Mark, welcome to the program. Well, it's very nice to see you, Michael. I want to start today by talking about the market for nickel. I mean, it's used in a whole bunch of things. Stainless steel, rocket engines, electric batteries, and presumably, as more and more people adopt electric vehicles, the demand for nickel should soar. Uh, one thing I find interesting is that nickel increases the energy density for batteries, which means that in turn, people can drive longer distances with them. But you know, if we look at nickel prices, I mean, they have dropped substantially over the past couple of years. It was about forty-eight thousand U.S. dollars per ton in early twenty twenty-two. Today, it's about sixteen thousand dollars. That's a sixty-seven percent drop. Tell us, what's going on?
1: Well, what has happened in the last six months or so is, is the Chinese have built overcapacity in Indonesia. Indonesia has emerged as the largest producer of nickel in the world, and it's largely uh, with Chinese investment. And um, so you know, my view is that we're in a structural bull market in nickel, um, but this is a meaningful dip that we're in right now um, and when I say a structural bull market, it's because the rise of electric vehicles um, takes nickel from well, about five years ago, nickel was about or, or batteries were about three percent of the nickel demand. That's now up to uh, around sixteen percent of total nickel demand. You know, the big the big use is stainless steel, which is still around sixty five percent of nickel demand. But because the uh, electric vehicle story is growing so quickly, and it's a bit of a slowdown right now, actually, but it's a slowdown in growth, not, you know, it's not declining. It's actually the growth rate's a bit smaller than it is over the last year, largely because of difficult economic conditions in China. So, you know, I view, you know, all of this, the, um, you know, over construction, uh, by the Chinese of nickel production out of uh, Indonesia um, and the slowdown in China. These are, these are things that will pass. So the question is, there's no doubt that we are right now in oversupply. The question is, how long does that last before the incredible rise of uh, nickel demand caused by batteries chews through the oversupply and just keeps going? So, you know... And that's a good question. I don't have full visibility on that yet. I'm waiting to see what happens over the next couple of months before we'll have a better idea. Is it six months? Is it 12 months? Is it 18 months? I don't really know the answer to that yet.
0: But if we drill right down to it, you're not concerned about oversupply over the medium to long term?
1: No. I mean, um, if you gave us all the money we need today, we're about five years away from first production. And so really our concern is what will the nickel price be five years out, 10 years out, 20 years out? And, you know, we've got a, you know, a very, uh, you know, financially deep uh, partner in Mitsubishi Corp. And they're thinking about the nickel price over the next few decades. Um, And the companies that we're talking to, we're seeking strategic partners to help us build this thing. This is a $2 billion U.S built to actually make a mine here it's a very very large mine we're talking about and um you know we're talking to uh, large mining companies and we're also talking to uh uh, oems car makers that want to secure a long-term supply for nickel um you know for decades to give them a competitive edge and they're not you know really looking at the short-term nickel price. They're looking at, can I get nickel 10 years from now? And, yeah, I think uh, you highlight something like
0: really interesting there, which is we're not looking at the short term. The prices right now uh, may not be so relevant to when you're coming online and certainly not to when your partners are looking at. And so with that, let's talk more about your project and your company, Gigametals. Uh, you're focused on a project in the Northwest of Canada, in North Central British Columbia. It's called the Turnigan Project. And as you mentioned, you partnered up with Mitsubishi on this. I presume they're probably a pretty good partner to have, particularly when it comes to sales. So tell us, how did this come to be and what exactly is their role?
1: Um, well, that's a you know very good question. So, so just to be clear, we're not dealing with Mitsubishi, the car company. That is another division of the same company. Mitsubishi is an extremely large company. We're dealing with um, <clears throat> the division of Mitsubishi, which is the largest, largest commodities trader in Japan. And within that division, they've got a raw materials division. uh, And that division, um, their modus operandi, part of it, is that they like to get involved as a minority interest holder in developing mines. And they've done this successfully many times with many different partners. So they will get involved at the stage that we're at, where you're doing engineering, You're trying to figure out what the mine looks like and you're trying to put together um, the money to actually get the mine built. And typically they like to end up with 20 to 25% working interest um, so that they can get access to 20 to 25% of the output of the mine. And ultimately they would like to get uh, offtake rights to more than that, but that's sort of like a bonus. So there, you know, that's, that's their model. They do not want to operate the mine, but they are extremely good partners. And they're very, very helpful, um, both about you know supplying development money, um, but also in introducing us to very large corporations uh, at a very high level in terms of they would like to get more partners involved in this project.
0: That's excellent and uh, I mean the way you describe it I, I can see companies trying to lay their claims to ensure like you said they have sufficient resources in this case sufficient nickel uh, for their projects for the long term um I understand that you you recently conducted a pre-feasibility study on this turnigan project give us a top line view what did you learn
1: well we uh, learned with with much more detail that the um that the model that we had uh, put together, you know, to describe what the mine would look like, uh, was a sound model, and but we just simply described it in much more detail, um, and we made it much more predictable. So some of the top line things are that, you know, in terms of te- technical risk, this may be uh, the lowest risk undeveloped uh, large nickel project in the world. It is the processing is so simple and not to get into the weeds too much, but but we're recovering one mineral It's called pentlandite. It's a sulfide of nickel uh, and cobalt, and they both come with that. Ninety nine percent of the nickel and cobalt in this deposit are contained in pentlandite. So the fact that you only recover one metal by by or one mineral by uh, froth flotation simplifies everything. and so we've got a short simple processing circuit the less steps you have the less risk there is it's as simple as that Um, and a major development was in what's called geometallurgy where you're trying to predict with each different part of this ore body and we're talking about um, we've got reserves now of 950 million tons Um, and each different part of that huge ore body You want to be able to predict how much nickel you're going to recover from that area and we made remarkable strides in this uh, in terms of our ability to uh to predict recovery with very very narrow error bars and that is uh in my mind you know an extremely significant development
0: I heard you say this is one of the lowest risk projects uh, really anywhere. And that is a pretty bold claim to make. Uh, So, you know, just want to highlight that. And, uh, you know, we'll come back to you in a couple of years and uh, we'll see if we (laughs) can hold you to that. Okay. So um, I was looking at your website and the background materials on uh, Giga Metals. And one of the things that struck me was how you're placing the environment at the forefront of your business. And that's not necessarily an easy thing to do for a mining company Uh, in fact uh, you're committed to making the Turnigan project a carbon neutral mine Uh, help us understand how are you going to do this
1: well um okay there's a couple of questions there so how do we make it carbon neutral we are already um in our modeling uh you know in our pfs our our carbon intensity is below two to one in other words we generate less than two tons of CO2 per ton of carbon or per ton of nickel produced. And that's largely because, and and that's amongst the lowest in the world already, okay? Um, But we also uh, are doing a lot of research into our tailings management. Um, So once you grind the rock up and you extract the valuable minerals, you've got leftovers. Uh, tailings, and and you hold that in a tailings management facility. The nature of the rocks, of our tailings, uh, their they're, they're silicate tailings, they will absorb CO2 directly from the atmosphere, and they will convert to carbonate minerals. So the CO2 gets locked away in mineral form. It's, it's a process known as carbon sequestration. And this is distinct yeah. from carbon capture and storage, where you can capture CO2 and you can store it, say, underground, but there's always the risk that it could escape. This is, this is not capture and storage. This is sequestration, where it actually converts a mineral from a silicate form to a carbonate mineral containing the CO2, and that will last for hundreds of millions of years. So we've been working with Dr. Greg Diffle at the University of British Columbia. He's been studying this uh, for 20 years in both uh, nickel uh, and diamond deposits. Diamond deposits also have uh, silicate uh, host rocks. And he's developed a methodology to measure um, how much CO2 is being sequestered in your tailings. And we're working with him. Uh, We'd like to see this methodology certified by governments so that we could then claim the carbon credits. And it's through that route that, you know, we we think we can get to carbon neutral, scope one and two, uh, to make uh, concentrate at the mine gate.
0: That's impressive. It's it's really interesting to hear. Um, In terms of that carbon sequestration, uh, is this still experimental? Or, you know, how feasible is it?
1: Uh, well, 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 carbon sequestration. Uh, this this exact process I'm talking about is happening all around you, all the time. It's 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 you know it's a fact that this happens. Uh, silicate rocks exposed to the atmosphere slowly convert to carbonate rocks. But now, if you take those rocks and you grind them up fine, as we will be doing in order to extract the nickel and the cobalt, the rate of sequestration goes way up because you've got far more surface area exposed and so it's not i i mean it's 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 a fact that this happens um and you can but to measure- be able to
0: have a company that's doing that that's not so common
1: no it's not and this is at the early stages and i must say that uh you know this is something that is common to all of the large low-grade sulfide nickel deposits um you know uh, one of the projects that uh, a Dr. Diffel studied is Mount Keith in Australia. And, you know, he discovered they didn't know that they were sequestering CO2. And he discovered how much CO2 they were sequestering in their tailings. That was pretty good news for them. So, it, you know, and, and, and this is important because, like, the nickel coming out of Indonesia is extremely high carbon intensity, uh, yeah. ranging from sort of 30 to one carbon intensity up to 80 to one. In other words, 80 tons of CO2 emitted for each uh, ton of nickel produced. Um, and it's not only that, but the, uh, the mining methods in Indonesia, uh, you know, they're strip mines mostly, which is they're very thin surface mines, uh, you know, maybe 10 meters thick. And in order to get the nickel out of the out of the dirt and clay that it's hosted in in these laterite deposits, uh, in many cases they're mowing down mile after mile of tropical rainforest uh, to get at the nickel. Uh, they're processing it very aggressively, um, and in many cases, in fact, in most cases, the tailings are being dumped in the ocean. So there's a lot of uh, environmental issues with with the way that nickel has been mined in uh, Indonesia. And if you look at the car companies, uh, you know, we're talking to a number of car companies. And particularly when you look at the premium brands in places like Europe, you know, they have to pay attention to their supply chain. And they have to pay attention to the carbon intensity of their supply chain. And, you know, some of them don't want anything to do with nickel that's coming out of Indonesia, because they, you know, this, 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 what's happening in Indonesia environmentally is becoming more and more visible to the world. And if you're a premium car maker, you don't want your 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 buyers to suddenly go, well, wait a minute, this is dirty nickel, and we're going to boycott you. They, they, that's their nightmare, okay. And so they're very careful for about sure. sourcing, and that's why there's so much interest in our project because we're in Canada for one thing, which is a rule of law jurisdiction. Uh, We've got um, uh, environmental constraints upon us. We have to go through a very detailed environmental assessment um, in order to get permits to build a mine in Canada. And, uh, you know, so, so that's both a risk and a reward in the sense that, you know, we don't see any showstoppers with our development of this project environmentally. And we see, you know, uh, very positive things about it. Um, and if you can get a mine built in Canada as a, as a buyer of the product, you can be confident that your, your, your product is being delivered under the various highest of environmental standards. So that's the, that's the positive side of it.
0: You've contrasted what your company is doing with the companies in Indonesia. Uh, You've mentioned supply chain, you've mentioned environment. Uh, On that supply chain note, uh, one thing which I think might be interesting and I want to ask you about is the Inflation Reduction Act that was passed by the Biden administration, I think it was in uh, August of 2022. The whole idea is essentially to secure and safeguard resources for the United States and not be dependent on the Chinese. Uh, And Canada and the US, of course, are neighbors. They have a free trade agreement. Uh, Your mind, you say you think the nickel will come online in about five years. Do you expect to get a boost from that Inflation Reduction Act?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we are on the list. We are a free trade partner with the United States. The United States is very interested in developing secure supply chains in North America. And as it happens, uh, if you want nickel, you know, Canada is the place in North America to find nickel. Um, And so the Canadian government is also very interested in uh, developing a whole supply chain for batteries. So it's not just mines, although without mines, none of the rest of (laughs) of the supply chain works uh but you need to build mines and you need to we need more refineries in North America um and then from refineries we need to be able to take it to uh p and cam cam is a- cathode active materials and that's ultimately what you sell to the battery companies is 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 cathode active materials so um that whole supply chain is under development um and there is not only tax advantages for the car companies if they're getting their raw materials from uh, you know, approved sources, uh, but there's quite a lot of government money uh, available to help develop these critical minerals. And we are actively pursuing that government
0: money. Very good. Well, speaking of money, I want to bring the conversation to investing now. Uh, If we look at your company's share price, it's tumbled 50% over the past year. It's down about 80% over the past three years. But we're now at the start of 2024. So I want to ask you, what has changed and why might now be a good time to invest in gigametals?
1: Well, I I guess the fundamental thesis of investing is buy cheap and sell dear. And so that starts with buying cheap. And... um, you know, as I said, the price of nickel is down by about fifty percent in in the last six months. and that has hurt us. Um, it's hurt you know all of the nickel developers. Um, so, you know, if you believe the thesis that electric vehicles uh, are providing a new source of demand and that demand for electric vehicles will continue to grow, um, and that nickel is, an absolutely necessary part of the whole electric vehicle revolution, for the reason that nothing can replace nickel in terms of energy density. So, if you want range, you have to have nickel in your in your battery chemistry. Um, and people do want range, particularly in North America and Europe. Um, so, you know. The best way to make money in the market, and again, I'm not an investment advisor, but I am an investor myself. And I do Mm -hmm. invest in other things besides my own company. Um, The best way is to find the cheapest possible entry point, build a position, and, you know, have a two, three, four year timeline on it. And that is historically how I have done extremely well as an investor. You have to... Pick your entry point when, you know, when everybody hates the sector. That's when you buy, and then you wait until everybody loves the sector, and that's when you sell. So, so it's that simple.
0: And you've been in nickel it's for 20 cool. years now, and working yeah. with commodities for 30. So uh, you got yeah. some experience there.
1: Yeah, it's it's patience is key. You can't you can't try and guess about short term. Uh, price fluctuations. You just have to look at the at the long term. You have to look at major moves. And I would suggest that, uh, well, the prices of nickel right now, uh, according to Jim Lennon at, at, at Macquarie, half of global nickel producers at these prices are losing money with every pound of nickel they produce. Half of them. And so, you know, that can last for a little while, but it can't last forever. I, you know, I just suggest it looks to me just based on that fact, like nickel is at or very close to its bottom. And it's good to buy things when when things are close to the bottom. The other thing about our project is it's very leveraged to nickel prices. Uh, our economics are not great at very low nickel prices. But if you get nickel prices of $9, 10 $11 a pound and higher, and and nickel prices have been as high as, Know, forty dollars a pound um the economics just balloon and the depreciated net present value balloons it's this you know if you've got a really large deposit and you've got you know profitability like this well if the price moves up you've got this <laughs> you've got this balloon effect in in the profitability and uh so it's leverage um, And that's another part of the investment thesis for our company is, if you want the least risky technical uh, uh, approach to a very large nickel deposit, um, and you want levers for the price of nickel, uh, I don't think you can find anything better than this. All right, well folks, you heard it right here from Mark Jarvis,
0: low risk, buy nickel when it's cheap, invest in companies that are looking out for the long term and who are going to be there to supply in an environmentally friendly manner. Uh, great talking with you, Mark. Uh, definitely going to check back in with you again in future.
1: Thank you very much, Michael. It's been uh, it's been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it.
0: We've been speaking with Giga Metals Chairman and CEO, Mark Jarvis, and you've been watching Global One Media's Stocks to Watch. I'm Michael Suido.